The climate is changing. So are we. I'm Laura Lynch, and I host What on Earth? That's CBC's Climate Solutions podcast. Twice a week, we take you around the world to find the people who are trying to build a better future for all of us. We explore Indigenous science, new technologies. We talk openly about mental health and climate anxiety. We also take your smart questions all the time. Come find What on Earth wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is White Coat Black Art. The federal government has promised billions to help fund an ailing health care system. Help can't come soon enough for a system that many say is in a state of crisis, if not collapse. In this episode that first aired last September, we take you inside the world of home care. I know it's me again. <laughs> nice house. That nice house is in Bracebridge, 200 kilometers north of Toronto. Karen Farnsworth is an occupational therapist with Closing the Gap, a home care provider with an office in the nearby town of Huntsville. She's here with Megan Lees, who is just finishing her OT training program at McMaster. Your walking kind of frightens me. (laughs) Frightens me, too. Karen and Megan have come to see Victor Stratton. He's 75 and has Parkinson's disease, affecting his mobility. He's had, I don't know how many falls at home, three times a week, three or four times a week. His daughter would find him on the floor. Um, he lives alone. He lives very rurally, and he there's nobody around. He's impaired cognitively, so he wouldn't know enough to push a button. And he, um, unfortunately, didn't have a whole lot of money, so... He was often stuck until some uh, one of his family members came. And in this case, he's got close family members, but they're not in a position to be to, to drop what they're doing to, to look after him full-time, which is what he would need. Exactly. I mean, his daughter, Cheryl, is a nurse, and she would have had to stop being an essential caregiver in order to give him everything. Like thousands of Canadians, Victor, who lives alone, can't manage on his own. You don't have anything to uh... hang on to. He's been on a long-term care wait list for months. Home care is supposed to be filling the gap. Karen and Megan track Victor's declining function and gauge his ongoing risk of falls. So what I was hoping to see, Victor, today is I'd like to take a look at your bathroom. And I'd like to see how you're getting in and out of bed. And if you need equipment to stay here and to stay safe, we can put that in place. So let's head on to the bathroom. Victor, you don't have to go. Please keep your clothes on. But I'd like to see how you get onto the toilet. I want to see if you need a bar or if we need to put a commode or if you need a pole. That's interesting, yeah. Okay. Do you need a hand up? Not yet. Not yet? Take your time. And are you mostly using the briefs? Well, you got to use them because you've got no choice in the matter. I know. You ready? One, two, three. Okay, I'm right behind you. All right. Walk, our feet. Where are we going? I want you to put your bum right on the toilet. It looks really low. Okay. Then how about, Victor, I'm not even going to get you to sit down because I don't know how well we're going to get you back up. With his Parkinson's, Victor moves very slowly, and he seems to have trouble understanding what Karen wants him to do. I think what I'd like to do is through home care, I'd like to order a commode 
and we're going to bring that in and we're going to put it over the toilet. I'm going to take you out of here. All right. As much as I love your bathroom. So it sounds like we're going to see you tomorrow too. We don't want to see you on the ground. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. So evaluate the, you know, as a professional, the ability of home care to meet the needs of somebody like Victor Stratton in his own home. Uh, it didn't meet the needs of Victor. Um, he needed more than what the government or what society could provide him. He needs 24-hour caregiver. He needs somebody with him all the time. And because, unfortunately, he couldn't pay privately out of pocket, he's stuck. He was stuck in his own home, falling and being in a bit of a terrible situation. There must be a lot of clients like Victor. There's a ton of clients like Victor. There's a ton of people that uh, we call failure to thrive, like they call with infants. But we have elderly people that are in the same kind of boat, the failure to thrive boat. It's heartbreaking. How much is home care depending on the generosity and the willingness and ability and capacity of family members? Yes, people like Cheryl, they are doing, the home care relies on those people 110%. If there are not those people, I don't know where our system would be. So what is home care in, in, in our society? Is it a Band-Aid? As it is right now, it's a Band-Aid. It's how do you get somebody to stay in home until something else changes or until there's some other section of the community that can pick up the slack, whether it's long-term care or if somebody's fortunate enough to have the funds to go to a retirement home. Really, it's a Band-Aid solution. After spending months at or near the top of the wait list for long-term care, Victor has finally gotten a bed. That's one less client on Karen's long list. <laughs> Welcome to the car. <laughs> we yes. spend a lot of time here. Uh-huh. Karen and Megan drive me to their next appointment. Karen has 80-plus clients on her caseload. The wait list to see her is as long as a year. How many hours a week do you spend behind the wheel? I don't know, Megan. How many hours do we spend a week? Three to five hours a day. Yeah. 20 hours a week? Yeah. And a 40-hour work week, half of it's behind the wheel? In a sparsely populated region, that, that's a reality. It's sparsely populated and sparsely serviced. There's one other therapist that does the Muskoka region. We, uh, we put a lot of miles on the road. And is it important for someone to know where you are at all times? It's important for us to put our information into the computer so that our agency knows who we're going to see. I tell my husband when I'm coming home, it's like going for a walk in the bush, just in case something goes wrong. Carrying your cell phone is super important because things go sideways in home care very quickly. Well, sometimes you're going to places without cell phone service too, so having those contingency plans is really, really important. Define going sideways. <laughs> so um, sometimes we get to people's homes, and what we think we're going to do is not what we end up doing. I have recently had a client who had symptoms of what appeared to me to be a stroke and I ended up calling the ambulance. That can throw off your whole day. Have you ever had reason to be concerned for your safety? Yes, I've had a few. 
instances that were quite frightening. I had a client, he was a palliative gentleman who wanted to end his own life and he had a firearm in the room that we were in. I knew he couldn't physically deal with that, but I ended up calling the police and the paramedics and that gentleman, he, he got the help he needed. Have you had clients with mental health challenges? Yes, and a lot of people have unmet needs. We have to uh, make a referral out to Canadian Mental Health or we bring our social work colleagues in and they do a fantastic job. What are some of the physical challenges of seeing people in their homes? So nobody lives the same way. So everybody's level of clean is very different. Sometimes people, um, because they can't take care of themselves very well, incontinent smell, smells of pets, cigarette smoke, the other physical bits in the winter. Um, There's a lot of snow and a lot of ice up here. You've said that you practice something called guerrilla home care. What is that? It's basically going and providing immediate service for the people that need it. The prevention kind of slides by the wayside and solving their immediate challenges. There's not a lot of funding in the system, so how can we solve the goal with the minimal amount of resources that we have? It's uh, a bit of a fight. It's a battle. That must make you feel frustrated. It's exceptionally frustrating. I feel that home care is an essential part of our medical system that just doesn't seem to get the funding and the care that the people in the community need. We need more staff. I think we need to think of ways to retain our staff because home care can be incredibly rewarding. We see some amazing people, the resilience you see in people, and just the joys of being at home. And I think the more staff, the more we can allow people to stay at home. We're going someplace else now, aren't we? Yes. We'll be right back. I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. And I'm Harvinder Vadva. We're the hosts of Inappropriate Questions, and we're back with Season 3. With some fantastic guests, we break down questions like... Is asking where are you from appropriate small talk? Is it okay to ask a co-worker how much do you make? Should you ask a polyamorous person, do you get jealous? Inappropriate Questions Season 3. Available now on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the season debut of White Coat Black Art. This week, three stories that point to home care in crisis. The Canadian Medical Association says nearly one million of us rely on home care support, a number expected to increase more than 50% within the decade. Most Canadians say they prefer living at home. Often, that means relying on family because there aren't enough home care workers. A particular problem at our next stop. Hallie Kamek is an Indigenous woman in her early 50s. She lives in Kilworthy, a hamlet northeast of Sparrow Lake near Gravenhurst. So in terms of the wheelchair, we're looking at a different one. It'll have two different options. So you're tilting like this. Yep. It'll also allow the backrest to move too. So when you're back and tilted, it allows your body to open up. It's going to be easier to breathe too. Karen Farnsworth, the OT, is getting Hallie set up with a new wheelchair. 
Hallie is 52 and has severe MS. A bout of COVID has made things worse. My breathing is not come back since my COVID. Like I can't scream or yell. I used to be able to feed myself the beginning of May and now I can barely scratch my nose. That's a huge change. Huge. We'll take some measurements because I think you're smaller. Mm. I know, I'm sorry. As Hallie gets smaller and loses strength, she is increasingly dependent on personal support workers. As a Mohawk woman from the Wada First Nation, she qualifies for non-insured health benefits for First Nations and Inuit. But it's not enough. So um, what does home care provide for you? Like from getting out of bed and showered into bed, toileting, meal prep, you know, topping up my dog's food, like just everything I can't do anymore. How many hours a day? Um, All told. I, I think I'm only getting, I'm not saying only, but about 13 hours in a week. So it's not great. I mean, I'm grateful for the hours that I get because when I started, I was getting one hour a week. So that was horrible. The thing is, Hallie qualifies for more hours, but home care is so short-staffed, they don't have enough providers to fill them. What do you do with the rest of the time? Um, My ex-husband has a business, and I used to do the paperwork for him, but my hands have not been cooperative since I got COVID, and COVID really did a number. I think I was in the hospital for 11 days. I had a collapsed lung and pneumonia and a mucus plug. Wow. So I'm, I'm not 100%, but I'm, I'm better than I was. So, yeah, just some days are long. But the home care people, and I have a friend that's been coming. She was just over there. And your plans are to remain here uh, forever, as long as possible? Yep, until I decide I'm not going to a nursing home. So that's not an option. So want to cry. So having good home care is important. Could you use more? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Huh? Yeah, I really want to stay at home. A son with special needs. And he's with me too. Mom moved in a year ago. And she's not getting any younger either, so... But just the more help I can get would be great. What we're seeing is that a lot of home care is provided by by loved ones. Yeah. Extra, right? I mean, I never thought I'd have my mom live in with me again. But I I appreciate it. That must be hard. It is. I'm 52. You're not supposed to live with your 77-year-old mom. But really right now, I don't think I could be here without her and my son-in-law and daughter living here while they're building their house so they've been a help and have had my two grandsons here so that's nice but then when they move out they're gone my mom's going away in the winter for a month so now I'm like what am I gonna do so trying to figure all that out What's one or two things that you think home care should provide or you'd like it to provide that it's not providing right now? I know everybody's doing the best they can. They are. 
and whenever I'd a- I've asked for more hours or, you know, they just, we'd love to, but our hands are tied and, I mean, there's not enough PSWs right now, so I don't even ask anymore. On the way out of Hallie's house, I ran into a PSW named Colleen Western. She's one of Hallie's most consistent care providers. Colleen explains why it's hard to keep PSWs on staff. Like for us, we do our absolute best, but keeping staff with gas prices and different hours, it's just, it's hard. And I think a lot of the younger kids coming up are not the same necessarily work ethic as us older ones so they're like yep that's not working and off they go where us it's like it's all about the client you mentioned gas prices Mm -hmm. and i wanted to know what do gas prices have to do with your work in visiting home care that's um that's a big part um you're only paid a certain amount per kilometer some companies are more or less than others so that does make a big deal when uh some of the younger kids especially are like I can't afford the gas the travel time the wear and tear on my car to go to work when I can go work at housekeeping for example and be in one place all day so it does make a difference as an insider to home care in a rural part of Canada what's your state of the nation what of what home care is providing and 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 what clients need um well home care is right now providing as much as they can our um our managers are out in the field to to cover what's needed just every week is different and we're having to pick up a lot of slack of what uh, other people should be doing like what like well we had two people just quit and their last week was last week um so that means the rest of us that are still here are picking up the extra hours and trying to fit clients into our already busy schedules the managers are picking up hours here, there, and everywhere. And uh, that's not their jobs. Their jobs are to oversee everybody. And so then you're getting another shortfall. What's the solution? More people, more pay. You know, somebody that's a cleaner in the hospital just hired for $22 an hour. And our top rate before any enhancements is $21.91. It's just, yeah, <laughs> just baffling when you see so many people in need. As I'm about to find out, some of those people on Karen, the OT's list, have extraordinary home care needs. Hello, we're back. Hi, I'm Brian. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm David. Pleased to meet you. Come on in. Okay. You're more than welcome. Okay, so is today a good day? feeling wise or oh yeah i've had i've had um lots of good days i've lots of good days that quiet voice belongs to kirsten mcdonald she's 55 and was diagnosed late last year with als the way her disease is progressing this may be one of the last times she'll be able to speak with her own voice like hallie kirsten needs and qualifies for far more hours than home care can provide her husband, David, has put his business on hold to become Kirsten's full-time caregiver. 14 hours a day of backbreaking work, in addition to caring for their six-year-old child. But David and Kirsten have yet another backbreaking need that home care can't meet. Yeah, we'll bring the commode down. Okay. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The Cadillac is a $4,000 commode. It was provided by the ALS Society. But the couple had to pay for two chairlifts costing six grand. Then there's Kirsten's $40,000 wheelchair. The government's assisted devices program and the ALS Society picked up most of the cost, but the couple still had to pay several thousand dollars. All very expensive but necessary pieces of equipment Kirsten needs to stay at home. So a year and a half ago, Kirsten could run 5K. Now she has absolutely no use of her feet and her arms and her legs, and uh, her voice is, is going. She's about a week away from being nonverbal, and we'll be using uh, assistive technology for her voice, uh, computer voice, kind of like Stephen Hawking's at that point. Mm -hmm. Okay, so stick the Hoyer here. David shows Karen and me how he uses a mechanized lift called a Hoyer to get Kirsten on and off the commode. Oh, the white one. The white? What do you get from home care? So home care has provided us with this Hoyer lift, which I couldn't afford otherwise, so that's, that's huge. They'll give you equipment for a month, but then after a month, then you have, you're on your own to try to figure out whether you have to rent it from the companies or, or pay for it. So uh, sometimes there's third-party organizations that will fund it after the month is over. Home care will cover, uh, like for the first month, we had a hospital bed here, and then we had to figure out for ourselves what to do after that. But the needs are indefinite. Yeah, that's right. And so you mentioned two things, a one-month hospital bed, a Hoyer yeah. lift, what else? Bed rails and Yeah, holes. there's things like bed rails and walkers and, uh, you know, if it's a transfer wheelchair. And with ALS, we have the breathing machine that has to come in. And so there is an equipment pool, so the government has provided us with a breathing machine, which is great. The, you know, uh, we have to give... What's that? BiPAP, it's called. It's called a BiPAP machine, and, uh, and that'll help her with her breathing at nighttime, and eventually during the day she'll need it also. So that's equipment. You need that's people. Equipment. We don't have any people except for uh, Karen has run off her feet as an OT, and she's been giving us a lot of solutions that we would have to try to get from PSW otherwise. Out of curiosity, how many hours do you get from, from Karen? So... Karen, uh, as much as we need. <laughs> well, Karen's Karen's been really good about showing up. You know, she's here about once every two, three weeks for an hour, you know, half an hour, forty-five minutes type of thing, mostly for coaching and teaching me what to do. So I've had to quit work. So I have I had my own company working with blind people, a technology for people with blind people, and you know, it's a privilege to be able to be here with her and with our six-year-old. However. I have to be very careful about my own burnout because, first off, it's really stressful, you know, with a wife with a fatal illness that has a trajectory of, you know, six to eight months a year and the emotional stuff and then dealing with a six-year-old who is trying to make sense of all these changes to mummy and for me to, uh, you know, be taking care of her, trying to explain to her that thing and then there's a lot of stress on me around that, trying to make sure that my daughter's okay and then my wife's okay and with all of that kind of stress, emotional stress, then there's all the, so the physical stress of lifting and moving and transferring her in bed and then rolling her over in bed. She can't roll over in the bed so I'm, I'm up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. to roll her, to change her so I'm not getting great sleep. David, has home care said you need a PSW? Yes. 
And how many hours are you supposed to be getting? Right now, uh, 16 a week. And but how many are you getting? Zero. And that's been going on for four or five months. Five months. About five months now. Been on the waiting list since March. On so. a waiting list. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of yes. this? I I think it's um, I think it's incredibly horrible. <laughs> I mean, uh, just uh, that I'm in a very good position with a caring husband, but um, I can't imagine what other people are going through. But if I go down, then we're going to have a big, big problem. The waiting list is not going to change. I don't feel like there's anybody behind me like in terms of PSW. It's me. Do you have any idea of how they decide, how the system decides who gets the PSWs and who doesn't? Because I can't imagine that there's anybody who needs it more. I don't know how they make those decisions. But what I do know is that we've closed out all of our SPs, you know, to pay for everything. And uh, I don't have any income right now. And I'm working 14 to 16 hours in, so you're uh, not in a day. So you're not in a position to hire a PSW no, on your I own? No, can't. I can't hire a PSW on my own. It's difficult to get private PSWs. Or, and if you can, it's $30 an hour. And I just simply can't afford that. I've, I've cleared up my retirement and we've got savings for maybe, you know, another few months. And I just don't know what's going to happen at that point. We'll have to start selling stuff to, you know, be, to make a living and to, to be able to feed ourselves and take care of my daughter and all that kind of thing. I'm so sorry this is happening to you. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Quite frankly, it's the hardest, you know, between the emotional, the physical, the financial, and the stress, it's the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. It's, it's, uh, it's requiring both of us and, uh, and our daughter, our six-year-old daughter, to dig very, very deep into our emotional resources and, and just, you know, sucking it up and really, uh, you know, living by that strategy of the one day at a time and doing what we can. And there's always, you know, 15 things that are not done that should be done that I simply can't do. I, I, I hope that you get the help you need and as quick as you need it. Thank you. I want to thank you for speaking with us and allowing us into your home. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming all the way up here. Since our visit, David and Kirsten found out they're going to receive eight hours of home care per week. That's half of the hours for which they've been approved. From what I saw, it's only a matter of time until David is forced to call 911 and have paramedics rush Kirsten to the nearest hospital. Until then, David says they have no intention of doing so, no matter how compelling the need that home care seems unable to provide. That's our show this week. If you have a story to tell about home care, our email address is whitecoat at cbc.ca. White Coat Black Art was produced this week by senior producer Colleen Ross with help from Jeff Goods, Amina Zoffer, and dose producer Jason Vermesh. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.